0: There's a Samoan uh, proverb, So solutions for issues in the community can be solved within that same community. Yeah. The literal translation is, you've got a stingray, right? So the sting, when you get hit by the sting, underneath the sting is another little pointy bit. You remove that, you put that into the sting, where the sting is, that's the antidote. Really? That's the antidote. So... If you're the problem you're also the solution to the problem <laughs>
1: hey everyone welcome to please blow my mind with me will fleming this is my podcast where we catch up and we try and blow our minds together and we do that through talking we do that through communicating we do that through stories it's so ironic to me that You know we have all this technology self-driving cars talking about going to mars but the things that make us up are quite simple good food good people good talk and it feels like we're going roundabouts in these roundabouts where we just inevitably come back to us humanity i saw an interview this week with casey neistad you know the vlogger from youtube who turned YouTube upside down with his style of vlogging he's he had a kind of breakdown from that you know always showing how amazing life is always showing the awesome side never acknowledging the real side and he had a breakdown and what he's saying is the future of YouTube content is this is talking how weird is that it's like everything opposite everything opposite it's so strange Anyway, I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast and being vulnerable with me. You know, this is a journey, a vulnerability journey, and it's not easy. You know, there's a lot of things we're doing where we're all we're, we're all in real time trying to make trying to make sense of it all, and that can be scary and is scary and sometimes gets the better of us. So, I feel like the more we are with each other, around each other, sharing with each other, good and bad stuff. The more we can just kind of collectively relax and and be okay with not knowing had an amazing question on instagram story this week and i put out there what gives you hope one of the answers that came back was the unknown and i tell you what that blew my mind for like several reasons one of the main ones being the unknown does give you hope because it should do we don't know most things you don't know most people you haven't experienced most things you do not know most people so how weird is that how kind of mind-blowing is that 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 could give you hope I guess that gives you hope because if you don't know most things then, then there's unlimited things to learn you never have to have the feeling that you've clocked the game of life because maybe that's not the point the point is it's too big it's too vast and that's awesome because we sit gently in that unknownness Whew, going deep on the podcast um this week's guest goes deep with me Akure Marcella thompson joins me uh we have an awesome chat about his app my river which is an app which connects people who need help with the people who offer help. And we have a mind-blowing chat about how we're always trying to reinvent the wheel, how we're trying to bring in new initiatives, bring in new buzzwords. The weird thing is we've covered a lot of this stuff. And what Ray is doing is connecting people in the digital realm. And I feel like that ties in really nicely with what we're doing on the podcast. Lots of connection, lots of connection. And that's awesome. You might be hearing it's raining. Uh, One thing I wanted to acknowledge is how awesome it is that I get to use my drive home from work to do podcast intros. You know, plenty of people say, man, you're busy. How do you how do you get so much done? Well, I think about all the stuff I want to do all of the time and then I find ways to fit things in. So one of the things I do with podcasting is I work extra hours during the early part of the week so that I can clear some time at the later part of the week to do a podcast with a guest. And as you know, I have a mobile van so I can go to them. And then I can do the intros on my way home. And you know, to go a bit further, I also cut between the cameras live on the podcast. So there's less editing. And that's an amazing thing. So, anyway, that's a bit of insights of things that I'm learning in real time. I think I've done enough talking. Have I? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, wishing you uh, a very hopeful moment of wherever you are in your life. A lot of hope. There's a lot of unknown. How about this? Give up hope when you know everything. And if we know that most things are unknown, you should always have hope. Hope in the unknown. Okay team, enjoy my chat with Akure, and download My River, the app, and share it to someone who might need help. Thank you all for blowing my mind. Welcome to Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. Please Blow My Mind. Whoa. That's the goal, buddy. Get joy in your lives <laughs> yeah. every day. I'm just simply looking to be 1% better every day. I get it, man. <laughs> We're together on that. That is yeah. mind-blowing. <laughs> We've got our work cut out for us. I think it's the thing that inspires me to continue on. Everything happens, and then we find a reason. <gasps> you just went deep. <laughs> Akurei, man. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. How are you, bro? Well, the welcome, bro. It's a huge privilege, bro. About time, now. We've been missing each other I don't a couple of hours here and there. True that. I don't know how much of a privilege it is being stuck in a parking lot on a hot day in a, yeah. in a tiny little sardine can, but uh, we're doing it, you know? I feel like... I love the fact that there's... Uh, do you reckon anyone else in Auckland's doing this right now? Do you reckon anyone else in New Zealand's doing this right now?
0: Not at all, man. This is innovative <laughs> stuff, bro. This is South Auckland <laughs> at its greatest, yeah. man.
1: We just do it, man. Yeah. Look, awesome. um, just firstly, just to acknowledge you, I feel like it's really hard. You know, like how people have a bio, who they are. I can't put one on you because you're just like a lot of things <laughs> you know and and i kind of feel like that is a signal of where life is going today that that don't put me in a box we've, we've 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 been down that road and we're done i'm a human i'm complicated i'm working on past present and future and we're all wrapped into one and we've got to do this every day so how do you describe what you do
0: a lot of people ask me that uh, question. uh I guess I'm just a chameleon. I guess I'm just adaptable to to most things in life, and I um, yeah, I just fall into what what makes me happy at the time. And uh, currently, in my current uh, space at the moment, I I'm quite happy in the flexibility, the freedom that I have, uh, mm-hmm. being self-employed, controlling my own destiny, yeah. having time with my kids and stuff like that. I think that's what matters more to me than. In any titles and,
1: mm. and that sort of stuff, but uh, and would you say all the work you're doing in the community is trying to offer that insight to other people who maybe haven't
0: got that yet? I think so. Behind all of that is is behind all of that uh, sort of all of that mess. There is some 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 sort of thinking mm. around, you know. Essentially, utilising my own sort of failures and right. experiences to right. to hopefully try and educate somebody else who came through doing stupid things like I did mm. when I was quite young, and there's quite a lot of us out there. Um, so yeah, I just a normal Pacific Island immigrant to South Auckland that uh, thought I was I had a limited, uh, I had limited. Opportunities, things, and and through my experiences, rubbing shoulders with different uh, people, good or bad, um, has really exposed me to a lot more things Mm. out there that. uh, you know, if you were to ask me when I was 18, 17, uh, I wouldn't even believe where, I've, where <laughs> yeah. I'd be uh, now, but uh, very, very fortunate. Mm. privileged.
1: You know, it is an interesting thing. You mentioned uh, people you've rubbed shoulders with, good and bad. I feel like that's a huge part of what you do is you acknowledge also the bad stuff. Because we love in this world, especially in social media and, you know, even uh, publicly, we love to celebrate just the good things. But life is full of bad
0: stuff too, eh? It is, it is. (laughs) And those who probably, you know, speaking from a Pacific Island, uh, a proud Kiwi with uh, Samoan Heritage, what I've seen in my professional career, you know, growing up in New Zealand is um, especially job interviews... A lot of people talk about all the good things that they've done, but those who know our bus figure communities know that to connect them, they need to be relatable to something. Mm. And in New Zealand, there's not too many positive things that uh, you can sort of uh, talk about in terms of how we're actually performing. Whether that's you know, unemployment in, in and in suicides and domestic violence incarceration mm. uh, rates. Right. So, for us, in my experience the way to connect uh, our people the way to connect Pacific Island, Māori, you know, those from South Auckland vulnerable communities is to talk real talk around yeah. your failures how has your successes how has that been borne out of some of the failures and I think there's a lot of lessons learned from uh, a lot of our failures so if you talk about um, one of the ones uh, you know as an example I'm a child sexual abuse survivor mm. through that experience I attempted. to Suicide a couple of times. Through those experiences, I ended up in uh, you know getting involved in youth gangs, started doing stupid things. But some of the qualities, values that I learned from those experiences also helped position me to where I am as an executive as a chief executive right. officer as a right. multi award winning innovator yeah. and leader you know doing things for organisations that I never even had the famous idea as a, as a young child. I would never grew up idolising the police or ever wanted to be a police officer. It was the last thing I wanted to do. I never envisioned myself being involved in IT. I thought that, uh, that's something for you know Chinese people and people <laughs> yeah. with heaps of money. Uh, I never envisioned myself as a leader. But then I realised that as a, at high school I used to stand at the front of a tuck shop and make $20, $30 a day you know, hustling. You know, people's uh, uh, lunch money offering different services in exchange, like (laughs) security services and, you know, translation services. All these things I used to laugh about as a a young uh, person. I didn't realise until later on it was a huge asset, not only as a business person, but uh, also within the government uh, Mm. organisation. As a police officer, those became huge assets that allowed me to build trust with communities that wouldn't... uh, traditionally talk to police, it allowed me to actually be able to, you know, establish relationships with gang members who gave me information about where the next uh, Mm. hit was going to be, where all the drugs were, you know, so not so much so that we can start arresting people, but so that we can start removing some of those risks that's going to impact the lives of many, you Mm. know... it wasn't just that one arrest that's going to make an impact that's it's the next generation that's going to see all of that that's going to grow up without a dad or a mum at home mm. uh, those are the things that really motivated me but um a lot of people thought that i went to university to actually learn these skills but these skills were all born <laughs> out of my experiences in south auckland so i think you know that's something that i like to share mm. uh, to our communities uh, to say look like me I'm not an academic I didn't do very well uh, as an academic but I also like to remind uh, those who feel down because their schooling wasn't very good is to remember the academics study you to get their certificate. Right. You're the expert. <laughs> yes. Not them. Um, so how can you utilize those 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 skills yeah. to actually remind people that uh, you're the one that goes home to the muddy bath water? Mm. You can you're you're also the one that actually can solve everything that they're trying to solve for you. So yeah.
1: man, that's so important, eh? And I always have these moments where I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, the it's almost like everything's flipped everything's opposite you know we we think we want these lives of just calm and and where nothing ever happens you know and we create these communities and and you even see it like people who have too much money you always hear they're not 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 happy and it's unfathomable for people who don't come from money to realize that because what we could do with money yeah but it's almost like you have to know what it's like without before you can you know I'll have an appreciation and that's the bit i can't quite get over in life because it blows my mind when i think about it why do we have to learn these super hard lessons or mm. and, and why is it too much for some people you know you talked about being a survivor um of sexual abuse you know it's like how where do you find the courage to talk about that
0: mm.
1: when so many people can't
0: yeah I've kind of been lucky in a sense that um, I've had some good people around me. Mm. You know, I think it was it. Uh, um, I think it might have been the late uh, who was the former prime minister of uh, South Africa that uh, Nelson Nelson Mandela. There was a quote that uh, he talks about: in, in, "In the darkest of nights, the brightest stars show." Mm. Yeah, and I think you know in my moments of despair when I became AWOL I wasn't going home and nobody really knew why I wasn't going home but I didn't want to face the uncle that kept abusing sexually abusing me um but everywhere I turned nobody knew how to actually help me you know uh, that same uncle was responsible financially supporting our family to bring our family over from from Samoa to New Zealand so my family didn't want to be seen as biting the hand of, mm. that, 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 that fed them or, or whatever, if, yes. if financed our trip. But at the same time, um, you know, there are three key pillars of uh, support that hold uh, our Samoan people. Uh, you know, this is what I've seen through observation it's our culture, it's uh, our language, and our faith. Those are the three things that uh, create our identity as well. And if any of those, three key pillars are broken. You're mm. broken. You lost your identity. Mm. You don't know where to turn to. Those things to me as well are essential in terms of your first and last lines of support. If your family, your faith are the ones that actually abuse you, sexually abused you, where else do you turn to? Right. Hence the birth of the Meyer of the app. Yeah. you got 30,000 other strangers that you can speak to that yes. might be able to provide you help if you don't want to take your issues to the workplace, if you don't want to take your issues to the home, and you don't want to Create toxic environments there, so there's still a median there that you can actually speak to. But everybody has problems. Somebody dies of suicide every forty seconds around the world, you know. And so people with a lot of money aren't—they um, are also subject to to a lot of pressure. If you look at uh, the crash of Wall Street uh, that happened in the early two thousands, how many multi-billionaire, multi-millionaires actually? committed suicide Mm. after that a lot of these people also inherited a whole lot of money they never had to actually scramble at the bottom you know for survival so i think those of us you know i can look back at my experiences uh, growing up in a family that didn't have too much but not having too much and having our experiences hell and in good stead now because we know what it's like to come from there Wherefore, I think it's a lot harder for somebody yep. who's inherited a lot mm. and then ended up with nothing. They've never built that foundation to be able to survive with nothing so there's more risks at play to them but also at the same time those are some lessons that we can teach our our people from vulnerable communities that you're mm. in a better position, you know, so if you can survive from here, you've actually got your master's degree to actually, you know, uh, survive up here, so. Mm. And you mentioned My River, that's the app. What's the birth of that? So the birth of My River is a, a few things. So when I first... Uh, we came to New Zealand uh, in the early 80s and all I remember was my parents talking about this place called New Zealand. And, and my only vision of New Zealand, my only, you know, uh, memories of what New Zealand might look like, they said that they speak a different language and there are white people there. And so, and we cr- grew up in a, in a Christian family, uh, more than 90% of Samoa is a, is a Christian uh, country. And so a lot of the photos in our Bible were of white people. Yeah, yeah. blonde hair, green eyes, whatever. And so I just envisioned New Zealand as being this, this country with a lot of these, you know, pale skinned people with blonde hair and they speak a different language. But the other thing I heard was that New Zealand was a land of opportunity, it good education, a lot of jobs, a lot of money, which is awesome. And so when we came, we were all very, very excited. But when we arrived, the first 18, two years, 18 months or two years of our life in New Zealand was very, very stressful. Right. It was very, very cold. None of us have experienced this type of cold. None of us has experienced this sort of level of having to speak a language we didn't even teach ourselves before we, we arrived. And I, uh, I saw uh, things happening. And our family dynamic, that, that was very, very, that, that I hadn't seen in some, or like domestic violence. I, I, I'd never seen, you know, heard the odd arguing, but this time I was pulling the hair, punching, you know, scratching, you know, between mum and dad. But those things also were aligned with their stress levels because dad was picked up a few times by the cops, drink driving, not having a driver's license, all these little things. Nobody taught them about you need a driver's license when you go, mm. you know, and to get a job in New Zealand, you need at least a driver's license before you can get a job. Nobody taught my parents anything about financial literacy. They're sending a whole lot of money to Samoa to help because we're a, a giving people, we, we we thrive upon the, the you know, services is, is, is how you make your way up to the picking order. And so... My parents were unprepared, and mm-hmm. when they tried to reach out different people for support, everybody was too busy, nobody, so they didn't know where to turn to. Wow. And so so that was one. My experience with the child sexual abuse was one, didn't know who to turn to. And my experience in the police. So in the police in 2006, there was a state of youth gang-related homicides across New Zealand, uh, across South talking area. Most of them were young Pasifika kids like me, mm. going through exactly the same experience. A lot of them had never come to the attention of police before. So given my background with youth gangs and child sexual abuse and suicides, I was shoulder tapped to actually run this team, which was set up to actually target youth gangs and try and quell the, the, the issue. Now, I I took on the challenge because one of my issues in the New Zealand police is quite often when something happened in the community, like a Maori or Pasifika community, they will send a a white executive, you know, with a six-figure salary over to America, Europe, and then they bring back all these solutions, all these ideas, frameworks, and and strategies and whatnot. And my issue was that, was that, did they have to pay somebody, send somebody over that has never lived in Ōtara mm. over to Europe to bring their frameworks here? They are under, To me, they were undermining the ideas and solutions in my community to come up with their own problems because they're the ones that go home to where the babies are dying. Yeah. They're the ones that are going home to where the mums and dads are dying from mm-hmm. domestic violence. Why aren't we asking them what solutions are So... I managed to challenge my bosses and convince them enough to actually let me actually drive what solutions look like by actually asking people that go home to the muddy bathwater. So we went, identified those families of those kids that committed these uh, these murders, and, uh, these homicides, and we asked them what solutions look like to them, and we just workshop with them, and a lot of them said that. Um, they only found out about free job license after they almost killed somebody on the road. Right. They only found out about all these support services after somebody uh, tried to commit suicide. They only found out about this support for men after he beat up his wife. And essentially what, what we came up with after we did some more research is that almost 90% of first engagements to these services came via two funnels. You want to have a guess what funnels they are, what organizations they were? Yeah. Uh, police? Yep. Hospital? Yes. Really? So people had to commit suicide and commit a crime or become a victim before they get referred to these organisations via the hospitals and the police. So what that told me as a police officer, nobody is born to want to do these things. Nobody is born inheriting the need to actually be a bad person or become a victim or commit suicide Everybody is doing these things out of necessity and desperation. Mm. People want the help, but they don't know where to go for help. So, do you want to have a guess how many health and social services we have in New Zealand? Uh, oh. Over 100,000. Really? So, the problem for us is not the lack of services, the problem for us is the lack of visibility and access to those services. So, when we ask the kids, is it, well, okay, well, we've got all these issues. Now what? What would you like to see? At the time, um, Bebo was the big thing, the yeah. big social media platform at the time. Uh, Bebo and some other, um, I can't remember, this was back in 2008 now, so we've done two years of uh, yeah. research on And I says, look, when we go to church, when we go to schools, we're not listening to the sermon, we're not listening to the lecture. We're actually messaging each other, you know, on Bebo or texting and saying, hey, suicide, his girlfriend, you know, needs some help, mm-hmm. you know, somebody mm-hmm. to talk to. Yeah who can we talk to? Or, you know, look, Hemi uh, has yeah. got a job offer, but because he doesn't have a driver's license yeah. attached to his resume, he needs a driver's license, but he can't afford it. H- how can we help him get there? That? That's basically where it came from, wow. all those experiences. So, so they say, why don't you create something like social media or that we can use on our phones? Because most of us, when we leave home, we live with our wallet and we'll talk about these gangboys that usually it doesn't have their money and it's something <laughs> somebody else's money. Usually wallets, car keys if they have a car, and their phones. And these are the three things that are, that are very, very important to them every yeah. time they leave somewhere. Yeah. So they said, why don't you do something practical? Instead of us getting all these flyers, pānees from everybody and we lose them mm. or we use it to roll up a blunt or whatever, why don't you just you know, consolidate everything on a phone and then we can actually... You know, look up jobs, look up driver's license or whatever, you know, that that, that we need via our phones. 2008, we didn't have a budget because I turned back to the police. They said, oh, we don't have a budget for this. Even though they encouraged us to come over with Grassroots Solutions, they didn't have a budget. And every time we try to move around, you know, MSD come on board, they said they, they had a budget. But then when we go to sign things off, uh, so-and-so has been seconded to another role now, so mm-hmm. we had to... It was just an ongoing slug uh, fest to try and get somebody to actually support it. They're all crying out for all these innovative ideas, grassroots right. ideas, but nobody wanted to support it fund yeah. it. Um, so I found a couple of the brothers from the community and they built it. Um, but before then, the blueprint was that we created a, a PDF document, so the community residents group of uh, Clinton. I was part of that group, and we um, we managed to get some uh, so the Manereo Marae and that helped us with some fundraisers, and then that fundraising event helped us uh, build a little booklet, and that booklet was the blueprint of my river. So it's just a directory of twenty local youth services around the Clinton area, and so that basically was the blueprint. Which the funny thing was, fast forward to two thousand seventeen, Otago University invited me to actually go and present my river to. Um, the International Violence Abuse and Trauma Summit in San Diego. And when I attended, it was attended by more than a 1,000 people, over 80 or so uh, countries represented. And a lot of these people were professors, doctors, so I was way out of my league. Um, but what uh, gave me good confidence was that there were two professors who went up and presented about the, the directory that they had. It was a PDF directory, similar to the booklet I created in 2008. And so when i went up and presented the my river app and they saw the presentation that's when all and bearing in mind before then i was applying for all these grants as the general manager of the wow. organized ngo was, yep. and we weren't getting much love from uh, new zealand and so after my presentation in the foyer i was bombarded with all these professions all over the world saying man your grassroots ideas is awesome <laughs> the way you maori and pacific people do things is awesome we need to adopt that here So I found the irony in that we're struggling to get our ideas up here, getting supported. and we're not. But now most of My River's uh, funding and support is coming from overseas. But the birthplace of uh, the My River app, uh, basically, after those experiences, is from the gang kids that I worked with uh, and the police, the other ones that came up with the idea. And that's why I'm so, so passionate about going back to South Auckland schools, working with those organisations that work with these uh, people, is to say look the same things that you discard as potential careers later on you know like becoming a president of a gang you mm-hmm. know the sergeant's the name of a gang. Mm-hmm. you can utilize those same uh, values and that that you've adopted there to become a ceo to lead a government organizations or do whatever you want successfully to help our people those right. are the same things that you utilize there to scare people and end up in prison are the same things that you can uh, adopt you know, legally mm. to become a world leading innovator or whatever it is that you, mm. you choose to become but yeah all my ideas aren't my ideas I'm just like the I go and ask people what they like and then I go and hustle and find people to actually put wheels on, on yeah. the ideas like the app nobody wanted to fund it in New Zealand uh, so I found a couple of brothers at a random event and they say look we'll sell our home and we'll fund it and wow yeah so it strikes me that you're not
1: trying to reinvent any wheels no you're just trying to connect connect yeah and and I get it why people who don't do it tough uh, don't see that because you know you're not you know if you don't if you don't need help why are you trying to weigh in on people that do? So it had to only come from the communities that need help. Hey, The solution has to... Yeah. Exactly,
0: and that's why with our organisation, and I'm quite passionate about that, uh, and I've been pushing this since I was a young lad, but mm. there's a Samoan uh, proverb, So solutions for issues in the community can be solved within that same community. Yeah. The literal translation is, you've got a stingray, right? So the sting. When you get hit by the sting, underneath the sting is another little pointy bit. You remove that. You put that into the sting where the sting is. That's the antidote. Really. That's the antidote. So, if you're the problem, you're also the solution to the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so that's what uh, that's the literal translation to it. But uh, it's a reminder too. You know, for organisations out there trying to engage our people, trying to come up with solutions to them, Mm. make sure you're actually attacking the actual solution, not just coming up with some fancy words that you know, but not involving the actual people that matter in those uh, conversations. And and when I say in conversations, I, you know, it's everything. Like we, one of my biggest issues in the police when I was working there, and some of these other big uh, public uh, services. You look at uh the rates that they pay for uh consultants' contracts, right? <clears throat> a legal consultant and and somebody around employment uh consultant, IT consultant, you know, they charge an arm and a legal, they call it um uh, market rates, right? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But then the communities that they're trying to engage to engage your services, like Maori, Pacifica, Ethnic, and Asian communities, they have liaisons there. Or instead of paying them, the, the consultants in those fields, their market rate, what do they do, they form advisory groups. It's a cop-out mm-hmm. advisory group. So all they do is just to say, oh, we consulted uh, a kaimatua from the marae over here, a liaison from here, uh, from the Pacific Island Church. And all they do is they just bring in a couple of muffins and then they said, we had the conversation. Yep. Yeah that's not where the conversations need to be it's around the round table uh, discussions to make those decisions and pay them what they're worth it's not about um, uh, money it's about acknowledgement Mm. that their cultural competencies their language competencies their cultural and language IP needs to be acknowledged Mm. you know why are we paying market rate for somebody who went and got a masters in IT or whatever from a university and we put very little effort in actually, you know, paying market rate for somebody that brings on spiritual, you know, um, you know, expertise, mm-hmm. cultural expertise at mm-hmm. that level. We, we that needs to be part of the the matrix to, you know, just that little acknowledgement. You know, we're not just there for karakias, and that's one of the my ah, issues. In, are, um, in the police too. I was part of the district leadership team, but every time I was there. They tasked me to come up with a founding strategy for Pasifika, ethnic and Asian community. So I get all these people in that volunteer their time. And these are experts in their domains. So mm. These are like professors, mm. you know, uh, in psychology and, and Pasifika people. They're not asking for money. Yeah, All they're asking for is that this document that we've been tasked to actually put together, the founding document, is, is signed off. So we're spending six to eight months on, on, on consulting. These people are catching their own, paying their own air fares and petrol to get there. They're not asking for any money. They just want to see this thing over the line. Yeah. Three years, we keep going back to the bosses to sign it off on other goalposts have shifted. And and that's the thing that... Uh, that that I'm concerned about is, is just ticking the box, yeah. you know. And, and so for me, then accountability we need to uh, to be able to hold these organisations to accountable. We're not there just to, and similar to my role, and I had to. It was the last time they asked me to do a karakia. They told me to do a karakia, and I said, I don't even go to church. You guys do the karakia. There's a lot of assumptions in this room, but when I come to sign the strategy, yeah. you guys keep shifting the goalposts, and you want me to do the bloody karakia, you guys do the karakia. Yeah. I don't go to church. You know, somebody dies on the road, they get somebody to go do the karakia. Yeah, But then they don't pay them the, the fee to actually go out, but they will pay a fee for an IT person to come and turn the computer on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. No, and it's
1: rife this type of behavior in all types of things you know i come from a television background and what i love about what we do now is there's no barrier Mm. it's like you say whatever the hell you want to say Mm. and i say whatever we want to say and we put it out there Mm. and it's fair unfiltered (laughs) it's fair and it's scary too because it comes with risks right because we might say things but how do we learn how to walk, you fall over. And so that's what we're doing. You know, we might fall over five, six times and then we'll come up with that. We'll be finally ready, you yeah. know. And I kind of like that it's what we're doing is doing that publicly, yeah. you know. So, man, I think it, I think this is what change looks like too. Yeah. You know, speaking to people like yourself who can articulate this stuff, who are not going off a certain, you know, list of things, you know, corporate, I think I'm happy those days are fading away. At least I want them to fade away because I think it should come down to you've thought deeply about who you are and what you do and what you want to spend your time doing And that's come through hard lessons, some good, some bad. And now you're doing that. And that seems that seems like what change is because I think the generation, you know, our parents and our grandparents who came from the islands, their life was seeking opportunity or exactly. the dream that the West had more or something yes, yes, like yes, that. Yes, yes. And you know in some ways it does in some ways it doesn't and we happen to be the generations who are having to work that out yeah. what is the right part to take from my cook island side and what is the right part to take from my dad's side yeah. and you know i can't sit here and say i know what team i'm on because i'm on both yeah. so when the world's encouraging me to identify as one thing i'm pushing back yes, and i'm yes. saying no, and New Zealand shouldn't just say we're this or we're yeah. that. I think that's what this whole part of the world represents,
0: yeah. you know? But, but more so for us, we're, we're explorers. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we're, we're explorers, man. We, and, and this is one of the things that I found, um, you know, I, I briefly mentioned about IT, how yeah, most people associate IT as uh, Chinese and European uh, mm. expertise. But in that same uh, uh, presentation uh, in San Diego, now, there's five other Pacifica people that attended that event in San Diego, and we naturally gravitated towards each other uh, because we were the minority in the room full of 1,200 people, experts. And so one of the keynote speakers, here got up, and and one of the challenges that he put out as an icebreaker was, name mankind's greatest achievement. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, here we go. You know, ears pinned and, and, and read uh, uh, you know, find these answers for our own icebreakers when we come back home. Everybody had a multitude of uh, different answers. So some said the uh, Great Wall of China, landing on the moon, you know, discovering the DNA uh, profiling, you know, to solve all these cases. And mm. They were all wrong. And then I said, well, okay. Well, what else is there Like pyramids? You know, people have mentioned pyramids and incas and all that." And then this white fellow, blonde hair, green eye, speaking in a German, strong German accent. Polynesian explorers. Mm. And I was like, whoa, you know, all of us, the, the five uh, <laughs> islanders in the room, were are like, oh, sweet, this is our moment to shine as, as uh, minorities in this bloody room full of educated <laughs> people. And he says, Polynesian navigators, the greatest navigators in the history of mankind. For over 3,000 years, we sailed the largest ocean mass in the world, bigger than Russia, China, and all these countries put together. There was not one island uninhabited, and there is research and and, and findings, evidence, that we landed uh, in North America, Central America, South America. And to be able to do that, you needed to be experts around science, technology, engineering, maths. So what did I come back and start promoting when I came back? Science, technology, engineering, maths is not new to us. Mm. We're trying to reinvigorate and to remind you that you guys are descendants of the greatest explorers uh, mankind's ever known. Mm. And so we try and encourage people to get into IT uh, or any of these STEM careers because if you look at the the trajectory of of technology Mm. and where it's going, our people, if you look at the workforce and where our people sit at the moment, Mm. we stand to lose out the most in years to come. We also stand to lose out the most when it comes to risk for suicide and mental health. Mm. Because technology is gonna remove a lot of jobs and, and a lot of the factories and yeah. that, that our people are actually yeah. occupying at the moment at the bottom of the the, the the pay band scale. So we've got that that risk, but we've also got this asset that we are descendants of. Mm. <laughs> it's not new to us. Mm. How do we actually um, you know, voyage back to actually finding those skill sets that uh, made us the gre- greatest uh, yeah. navigators or explorers that uh, history's ever known. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, the last uh, research paper I saw, I think uh, between Maori and Pasifika, we only represent in the workforce less than two percent of those right. operating in the IT space. Less than 05 uh, percent of Pasifika people working in that space own their own IT companies. Now, why I've been big on the IT is because if you look at all the data sets around the country, who holds them? None of our people actually hold them. Mm. But a lot of people that hold them actually control the narrative and control where all the funding goes. Yeah, And so for us, us and Māori are the biggest assets for them. You know, because we're the ones in all yeah. the gold medals of all the... Well, Māori mm. the gold medal and everything wrong mm. in, in Aotearoa New Zealand. But other people are controlling and manipulating that data. Yeah. How can we own that data? How can we control the narrative and tell mm. our own stories and actually better inform organisations and the resources to where they need to be rather than somebody else? Yeah, bro. Um, and again, with technology is... So, most valuable commodity is bigger than gold and diamond mm-hmm. is data. Mm-hmm. So, how can we encourage more of our people to start getting involved in, you know, things like this too, about telling your own right stories, out. controlling our yep. own narratives? Because yep. I am all but one yep. of many, 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 many other people just like us. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, roaming the streets, thinking that we uh, there's a lot of us uh, invaders mm-hmm. out there, and and so. I take my hat off to people like you, you know, capturing our stories and putting it at the forefront there for others like us to connect Mm. and reinvigorate themselves to realise that our first generation parents that came here in the 50s, you know, they worked in factories. We've gone beyond that point. Now we, you know, our, let's, the sky's the limit for us. Uh, I think so. And I think,
1: well, part of the reason I think the future's bright is because off the cuff, you know, Maori and PI are some of the most talented in the moment, observational and that's all social media is you know, it's Mm. reflecting on what's happening now if you think of podcasting in New Zealand, that's really being dominated by Maori and Pacific and all I want to do is upscale that Mm. so that you have a voice others have a voice and the, and there's no barrier to entry yeah. you know for ages it was cha- it was controlled by tv and radio exactly. and i'm saying that's their own metric they can measure it however they want yeah. we'll just be over here yeah. where you know the rest of the world is the
0: rest of us are yeah. but, but but the power of that too is like we're creating the narrative ourselves mm. And, mm. and and, and And the beauty of technology too, social media, yes, it has some risks as well, but it also has some huge benefits in that we're telling our own story, we're creating our own platforms and we don't have to wait for others. Exactly, Um, It's kind of, in a sense, in a huge sense, even the playing field a little bit, yeah yeah and there are people worried Mm. you know
1: so i will suspect the power balance yeah yeah there'll be all the people who Mm. currently work in broadcast and they'll be like right we have got to get more regulations on the podcast because they're having too much access so there's some fights ahead Mm. but it's okay because we're already uh you know we're already kind of doing what we need to do um Now, one thing I wanted to ask you that is a little bit confronting, and so I spoke to Joseph Whalefield, who was Hope Walk, and it was on the morning of this year's Hope Walk in Monaco, and it was a strange conversation because the stats had come out that suicide has never been higher in New Zealand, yet it feels like there's the most conversation ever around mental health around helping and I think you've partly talked about it because we're trying to reinvent the wheel we're not actually getting people the answers they need yes. but I just wanted to know how you are managing we're trying we're trying we're trying does it is our time frame too short? You know how are you, how are you keeping yourself feeling motivated and hopeful in a time where it seems like the wrong statistics keep going up, keep going up?
0: Mm. I think see the the, the thing because I, I like dealing with numbers mm. uh, statistics and stuff, but uh, one of the things we've got to sort of try and weigh up too is how how behind our census data is, a, eh? Right. So when we're talking about um, the increase of our uh, suicide rates, mm. which it has, you know, by number, there's mm. no... It's black and white that the numbers are, are getting bigger. Mm. But we've got to factor in things like the growth of population because we're still utilising 2013 census data. Yeah. We've grown by, what, almost 700,000 people since Right. Uh, so there, there's a huge, uh, okay. uh, great area there. But also... Um, same time for me in terms of how we manage it we manage it through stories of people talking to us on the app mm-hmm. um, see one of the things that uh, in terms of how we're pushing out the app is the, the app is not a, My River is not a rehabilitation tool it's not a tool that we encourage people to go to when they're feeling suicidal call 111 that's, that's, that's the pe- we are trying to promote things at the other end of the spectrum right. that actually can help impact, influence that a gotcha. bit better. Mm. Things like jobs. So uh, take for example, we have between five to 600 users of our app every day. My River hosts more than 8,000 providers, over mm. 30,000 professionals, mm. and we have 62 million community touch points. Most of the services people are reaching out for has nothing to do with suicide, have nothing to do with mental health, but those are the things that get a lot of publicity. It does happen. But a lot of the focus needs to be on the areas that we need to fix. So that's yeah. visibility and access yes. to the services. Because in my experience in the police, having attended multiple suicides and homicides across my twelve year career, none of them had none of those homicides or suicides that I've ever attended had a um, a psychologist sitting in the room holding somebody's hand. None of them held a... Uh, we'd seen evidence people holding an 0800 flyer yep. uh, there. All of them, when we did forensics on their phones, six months before their deaths, what was pretty consistent in nine out of ten of these uh, cases was that every one of them utilised their smart devices or whatever to actually reach out for help before they died. All right. So it was important for us to bring this all into one place. And manage the analytics so that before they reach this, this point of no return, that we're sending notifications and we're following up on them to say, hey, we noticed that you look for it. And it's not really, we tend to help people when they're in a crisis. It's too late. Help them here are the jobs. A lot of people are reaching out for jobs, relationships, driver license. How can we help them here? Mm. Because if we help them here, we change the course of their the, the path of their, their, their destination point, yeah, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. And so we spend $54 billion in health and social services, of which more than 90% is spent on rehabilitating people. Something tells me that there's an ethical issue there, there's an integ- uh, integrity issue there, and somebody's taking the piss with the lives of and the misery of our fauna uh, our mm-hmm. And that's why coming back to having our own IT company, owning our own data, we need to control that narrative because somebody's taking the mickey you know somebody's taking the mickey out of the misery of our people and I find I arrested over 700 people all of them are pretty consistent in that they all made a poor choice out of necessity and desperation and we've got 100,000 services that nobody knows about We've got a problem. Yeah. We spend $20 million on free driver licence nobody knows about, $15 million on free holiday programmes that no parent knows about, and then what do they do in the lead-up to the school holidays? They're stressing out, arguing over who's going to take turns staying home. If they stay home again, the boss might fire them. All of these stresses. So it's it's all good and well having a mental health budget, you know, the first time ever, and throwing millions of dollars into things. But the problem is not creating more services when you've already got, why don't you just support the existing ones yeah. and help extend its reach rather than okay, somebody else has got another agenda they need, some, their own initiative and in, 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 in their resume so that they can tick the box in this comment here and then get a higher portfolio. It's not about creating competition it's about creating cohesion between you know existing providers. Everybody, every provider is out there to do awesome work mm. but the way they're setting up funding and all of that, it's making people bitch against each other, you know, backstab each other, you know, gatekeep, you know. And be competitive. Yeah, they're becoming competitive. We're all after the same (laughs) bloody, you know, (laughs) we want to actually achieve thriving communities, ultimately thriving communities. You know, that's, people are are healthy, they're safe, Mm. and they're thriving in whatever uh, their pursuits are. But we've got the system where it's creating, you know, a a bitch session, Mm. you know, a pissing contest between people, it shouldn't be like that. Bro, I have, I got a friend who's
1: their company is in the mental health industry, whatever that means. Um, it's like saying I'm in a love industry, you know, it's like we got to articulate it better. What do you mean by mental health? Anyways, I was saying, oh, you should have this guest on your podcast. And they said, oh, no, he works for a different company. I'm like, so the people trying to help people have yeah. competition? Yeah. Something in that equation doesn't seem yeah. right. Just before we wrap up, Kyron, pass that. Camera, bro. I want to give you a quick shout out on the podcast uh for standing there and doing filming. Thanks, brother. Um Kyron's uh, an old video student of mine, and now he's um joining me on the podcast to come and um help record some of this gold. Um you haven't got sunburnt? You all right. No, I'm good. Sweet. <laughs> okay, take the camera back. <laughs> keep working, bro, keep working. Um bro, I want to ask you the question I ask every guest, which is do you have one moment that you can share that I call it blew your mind? But I think what I mean by that is shaped you in a way that you couldn't see the world the same. Do you have a moment that you could share? I mean, and you don't have to go kind of too personal, but Mm. I I just want to acknowledge with the guests that look, we are all a work in progress. Mm. We're all people. We're all Mm. human. And if I can get people to share the moment that they feel helped them, someone listening, watching, might also be able to relate. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so so, uh, for me, it's a a combination. Mm. But uh, the main thing that stuck uh, out to me was that there were people there that were willing to actually give me a chance. Mm. And I think it was those moments that actually, you know, I never envisioned myself becoming a police officer. But I became a police officer because a police officer gave me a chance. I never envisioned myself becoming an innovator but I became an innovator because somebody thought that I had the skills to be an innovator. I never sought out to become a leader. I ended up being uh, an award-winning leader. Which I didn't even see myself <laughs> as a leader. But I think it's, it's it's we, we we tend to operate in silos and only encourage people to actually work within, you know, you just work in here because I'm I'm, I'm only comfortable to, to work in that space myself. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 those those people encouraged me to actually not be boxed in, uh, not not to succumb to to you know traditional uh, thoughts towards a, a certain community or, or mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, people told me that I had exactly the same opportunities as anybody else. And uh, like for example, the, we're doing some work with the electoral commission, and and one of the my mentors from there um, says, look this campaign that we're on with My River, somebody from Ōtara, their vote has exactly the same weight as a vote from somebody in Epsom. Mm. And so to me, I think we truly do uh, have equal opportunity. And, 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 and that opportunity requires people like us to step up mm. and actually share... Uh, some of our failures, because those failures is gold mine for other people that might mm. be listening to say, Hey, I went to Takaro College, I went to Hillary College, I went to, you know, Samoa Church College, um, Orile I, I College. Those are all the high schools I went to. <laughs> so when my mates, you know, and, and, and even at my age, then having attended uh, four high schools that I was kicked out of, <laughs> You know, when people ask me why for high schools, I say scholarships. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody decided to actually talk to the teachers. Uh, he was a little shit. Um, but I think, you know, having that experience and then having people that showed confidence in me despite all my wear and tear, despite my confidence levels being at, at the pits, um, trying to commit suicide, you know, embarrassed to talk about, uh, you know, being a victim of child sexual abuse, I've lost count of how many people since I've come out have actually messaged me and said, well, mm. that happened to me too, It happened to me too. So I think that, that um, there are good, good people out there working in these you know, health and social services, but they're not just experts. It, it, it's yeah. not just people with a, a, clin- a clinical degree. Mm. They're not the only ones that are experts. I've had cases where I've attended a domestic incident where the potential perpetrator rung up And what saved him wasn't a a counsellor that he rung up. He walked down the bus stop and talked to a stranger. Mm. And through those uh, dialogue, and the stranger turned out to be a a homeless person, through that dialogue, he didn't beat up his wife. So for me, there are so, so many good people out there and, and... And we've got to create that uh, ecosystem Mm. so that we can build on that cohesion to all work together. We all play a part in each other's lives. We're all interconnected. Um, And like I said before, somebody dies of suicide every 40 seconds. It used to be every 15 hours in New Zealand, now it's every 14 hours. Um, So we all have a huge role to play and we shouldn't be waiting just for counselors and experts. Just having conversations, dialogues with our children, having dialogues with our our partners, our, our colleagues, just a check-in you don't have a Mm. you don't need to have a full script of what to say it's just saying things like hi how are you something as simple as that (laughs) can make a huge huge difference in somebody's uh lives and just a little smile so those are the little things that we can do collectively that can help everybody man that makes
1: so much sense i want to thank you for saying it out loud because i think people think this stuff But we get confused. We get the hit of endorphins or whatever, and it must be trained through social media. We read it, we think it, and then we think the job's done. But you got to say it out loud, and you said a bunch of stuff out loud. And, you know, I think that's what acknowledgement means. I think that's why Maori Pacifica, we acknowledge out loud, because it means something. You can hear it. You can feel it. It goes in. And uh, there's no barrier to entry. People have heard it they're hearing it it's out there forever now and there's something really cool about that and I think again change takes time but you know I've got to do a little bit little bit little bit having you on so I um, want to thank you both for joining me on the podcast um, for sharing for being vulnerable you know all of these things uh, we didn't list off any top 10 things to be happy or to have positive mental health you're just like you gotta live you got to learn your lessons and then you've got to share them and it sounds also like you have do not leave it up to luck or chance we don't have to no let no. the algorithm help you let yep. geolocation help you exactly because it's there you just got to know eh? exactly brother. yeah exactly. <laughs> Well, that's us. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. And uh, where can people follow you and join your journey and um and and support?
0: Yeah. So uh, we got a, a website. Uh, website. Uh, so www.trustmyriver, mm-hmm. uh My river without an e, mm-hmm. Nz, and we've also got a couple of social media platforms. So we've got a LinkedIn page, yep. we've got a Facebook page, and an Instagram and Twitter page as well. So. Um, yeah, and it's free to download, so of mm. is a free to download app, but uh, some of our ambassadors are Mike King and Dave yep. Letellie, yep. Uh so they do a lot of promotions and awareness of the app, it's free to download, you may not need the help, mm. but somebody you do know may, uh, yep. so free download, share with your mates and you yeah, appreciate it. Awesome, thanks for joining me brother, cheers, brother. you blew our mind, Thank cheers so bro.